Well, good morning. This is our third Sunday of Advent, and the theme today, as you know, is love. And we continue our series, uh, Stay Strong, and uh, we've been talking about uh, providing tools for uh, holistic health during this Christmas season. Over the past two weeks, Pastor Dave has talked about uh, mental toughness and, and the importance of keeping your mind healthy. He talked last week about spiritual uh, preparedness and uh, keeping our spirit strong. And our passage to ponder through this series uh, really is Mary's song or the Magnificat. And it expresses, I think, really well the right mindset and the spiritual state that we should be in and have during the season. And so um, I'm going to read it for you. Maybe you'll want to read along with me. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from the thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Well, today in our series is part three, and we're talking about relational resilience. This really means having the elasticity to recover from relational difficulties, or literally to be able to bounce back or bounce through relational difficulties. As we know, relationships are crucial and complex. We've heard the saying, uh, can't live with them, can't live without them. Likely someone in your family comes to mind uh, when you think of that phrase. Maybe you are the person uh, in the family that comes to mind when others hear that phrase. Relationships are not just something that we can live without, for we were created to be in relationships by the relational God. In Genesis chapter 1, verse uh, 26 to 31, we, we, we read this. God, and the word used for God in the original language is Elohim, and it's, uh, it's plural, and it's one of the uh, first signs that we see in, in the Bible of the, this idea of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It says, God created humanity in his image. And let me read this for you. Let us, it says, interestingly enough, let us, God speaking, make man in our image, after our likeness. And God created man, male and female, he created them. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. If we jump ahead to Genesis chapter 2 in verses 7 to 15, we read this. Then the Lord God, and this is important because in chapter 1, we, as a creation, it's, it's Elohim God in, in the plural sense. But in chapter 2, we're introduced to the personal uh, proper name for God, uh, used Lord here in English, but it's Yahweh. And so it says Yahweh and Elohim together formed uh, one God, one word, one name, formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Then we read verse 18. Then the Lord God said, again, use that Yahweh Elohim, the two names for God. 
It is not good. So he's done all creation. He's created humanity and he says it's very good as part of creation. Then here he says, it is not good for the man, for that man to be alone. I will make a helper for him who will be fit for him or corresponding to his uh, strengths and weaknesses, literally. I like what Old Testament scholar Christopher Wright says in reference to this. The problem is that God has given an immense task to this creature or the man. A man cannot tackle such a challenge alone. That is not good. He needs help. Humanity then is created in relationship, for relationship, and for a task that requires relational cooperation. If you think with me for a moment to a moment of crisis at some point in your past, who were the people who were there at that time that you experienced that with? Most likely those people's uh, faces and uh, who they are, even if you can't quite remember their names, depending upon how long ago and how great your memory is, but you can picture that moment because it was a significant moment of crisis. And, and the people that were involved in it, there's a relational bond that happened during those moments. If you went through something alone of, that was a crisis that comes to mind, you can likely uh, come to mind the person that you called first when you were alone in that situation because you didn't want to be alone. A moment of crisis. I can remember as an electrical apprentice, uh, uh, one situation where I was working at the Cambridge Mall and uh, this accident happened where I actually fell off the ladder backwards uh, at about 12 feet off this extension ladder and somehow miraculously did a somersault in the air and the custodian who was, happened to be there at that moment, thank God for that, he was at the bottom holding the ladder. I literally landed on him and we had this special bonding moment, as you can imagine, but literally my life was saved because he was there at that moment and my life was protected by God. Those crisis moments cause this bond to happen for us relationally. And it reminds us, as the English poet John Donne wrote uh, in his poem, no man is an island. And he breaks that down in that 17th century writing to remind us that we are all connected and that how important it is for those connections to be a part of our lives for literally our well-being in our survival. Relationships are crucial. Then enter into the equation here, the fall of humanity or sin into the world. Christopher Wright again introduces us and sort of reminds us that we actually have uh, two strikes against us when it comes to this whole idea of relationships and the fall of humanity and sin. The first is this. He said the first strike is societal sins. These are the lifestyles and the actions that become normalized or rationalized or rendered plausible and acceptable. Those are the things in our society that become socially acceptable, whether they are right before God or not. As a society, we say, okay, this is okay, and this is proper, and this is right. And, and we see it in, in phrases like your truth. Uh, that's truth for you and I can appreciate or I can respect that, but that's not my truth. And, and you hear people talking like that or this uh, relativism or this idea of whatever relates to the situation at the time is what is the right thing to do or what is truth. Then he says, Christopher Wright says, there's also historical sins, sort of the, the second uh, strike against us. These are those sin that spreads to us through historical roots that can be actually the cause of our current circumstances. And, and those who've studied behavioral genetics or inherited behavior see these generational patterns and, and even abuses that are there that 
can get carried through the generations and it can happen. The fall of humanity and sin has been wreaking havoc on relationships ever since the beginning. Uh, you can see a picture here of myself and actually my dad, the one in black and white, if you didn't figure that out. Both of us at the age of 22 there. My father, interestingly enough, left home when he was 15 years old because he had a struggling relationship with his father. And he ended up leaving home and boarding on his own and, and a woman took him in and he left high school at 15 and began to work full time and never finished high school. Interestingly enough, for me, when I was 15 years old, I lived at home, but I lived a compliant life. But internally, I was struggling with my relationship with my father. And there were times when, when my dad would do things and it made me angry and frustrated. And, and I was uh, uh, told or sort of guided, oh, don't, don't talk about it. It'll just become a fight. Just suppress it. And so I ended up suppressing these, this anger and this bitterness and not dealing with the relationship issue. And, and it carried on for years until later on, I had to work through that. Both my dad and I had to learn because he ended up resolving his relationship with his father later on in years. But we had to work through our issues in spite of what society said, in spite of our, our history and family things that probably got passed down, we chose to have a positive relationship with our dads. And I am so thankful because my dad passed away just over five years ago from cancer. But before that happened, I remember sitting down with him in a Tim Hortons and I told him, and I felt impressed to do that, I told him how proud I was of him and how thankful I was that he was my father. We both talked about how we're imperfect as parents. That's, uh, that's a given. But I had the opportunity to tell him that and make sure we had good relationship as father and son. Relationships are crucial and yet complex. And so it requires that we work at it. Now enter into this equation of, of relationships being crucial and yet the, the struggle we have with sin and humanity and our own natures as we talked about, enter in the Christmas season now. That time of year, this time of year when we are forced to consider family and relationships. And you may have wonderful memories from your past of, of family and times together and so this is a wonderful time for you. But others of you today may have stress-causing memories. Your anxiety may even just rise just at the thought of the possibility of having to see family or deal with family this time of year. And this year, I think, as we have traveled through this season that we've been in over the last year and a half or so with COVID, there's come this expectation of normalcy, but that hasn't come. And with all the things that are happening, we interject the fear, the disconnectedness, the isolation and the division that's happening, even in our close families. Well, let's take this back to the Christmas story. You might say, well, Al, you've talked about all these issues, this struggle, the, the crucialness of relationships, and yet the, the, the uh, criticalness of, uh, of struggling through those things that we have to work through. And now you're taking us back to the Christmas story, that perfect picture. Interestingly enough, not so perfect. If you, I take you back to Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 to 17, it actually begins the Christmas story with the genealogy. And in verse 17, it says, All those listed above, and it lists all the names of the generations, 
14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the Babylonian exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah, who we believe is Jesus. Interestingly enough, that genealogy reminds us that the Christmas story, even the roots, the beginnings to the Christmas story, had imperfect people in imperfect relationships. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are mentioned. If you read the stories in the biblical accounts, you see they were doubters and deceivers. Uh, Judah and Tamar are listed, and interestingly enough, this is a father and daughter-in-law uh, sexual relationship that took place in pregnancy that came from that, that's offspring led to the coming of the Messiah. David is listed in Bathsheba. She's not specifically listed by name, but said as the wife of Uriah because it implies the relationship that began with adultery and murder and cover-up, that out of that bond that happened to them, the lineage and another son that came later, Solomon, was the lineage that led to the Messiah, the coming of Jesus. King Manasseh is listed there who, if you read the, the biblical narrative, uh, he was one of the evil kings. In fact, later on, other kings were uh, compared to him and, and being like him, but he was so evil and, and uh, had idol worship, he even sacrificed uh, one of his children to one of the gods. And the people of Israel and Judah themselves that are listed there, they abandoned God as it's mentioned here and were exiled because of the decisions that they make. And then as you go into the uh, Christmas story in Matthew chapter one, Joseph and Mary, and in this story is, I'll talk about it a little bit later, there's talk of infidelity and divorce, and though we know that didn't happen. But as we find ourselves, and this is sort of my point this, today, as we find ourselves in the tension between the absolute crucialness of relationships and the messy complexity of them, we find ourselves looking for answers, and I think the question we're going to answer today, which I'm going to try to, is how do I build relationships of resilience? And so to help us with that for the next little bit, let's uh, switch gears, and we're going to move to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to uh, 32, where I think God gives us a guide through Paul, who writes this, the apostle, uh, some words that will help us to answer this question. The first is this, walk it out. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 3 says this, Therefore I, this is Paul talking, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life, and another version says, beg you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love, making every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Two thoughts that sort of come from this or this. The first is you are called to cultivate relationships. If we're going to walk this out, we have to understand it's important for us to make the effort to build relationships. And at times we have to push ourselves with this. Whether you find it easy to build relationships, if you're an extrovert, you, you would feed on relationships, you might, might find it easy. Or if you're an introvert, it's, it's uh, difficult or maybe awkward for you. Or maybe you just struggle because of some of the past experiences that you've had in relationships with people. And it's hard to trust people or hard to uh, make the effort to really connect with people. But I want to encourage you today, make the effort. Work at it. Research it. Read about it, work at it, get advice, but do it. And I understand this completely if you're coming from this way, 
from this uh, area where you struggle with it because I needed lots of help. I struggled socially and, and thankfully uh, God directed uh, my life and I thankfully met uh, Sonia, my wife, and she has uh, amazing skills when it comes to building relationships. And so she has helped me so much because I, I needed so much help. But I understand, but I still have to work at it and push myself. The second thought related to working at it when it comes to having relationships of resilience is having, make humility and gentleness, patience, unity, and peace a priority in your relationships. Those things are gonna help you. Uh, really, they point to being authentic. Build authentic relationships. You know, put yourself out there for people, connect with people. You know, anything in life that's worth anything is always worth the risk. And I think about, you know, if having kids, there's always the risk, but you choose to do it because of the reward that will come hopefully from that. But you don't know what will happen in life. Putting yourself out there in relationships is, uh, takes a risk, but it's worth the risk, I think, because it's important. And be authentic. Be compassionate with people. And work at finding some common ground. All of us have something in common, some connection point. Watch her for those things. Talk with people in your attempt to build relationships and find something in common that you can talk about. Imagine if we brought these ideas into every relationship, every interaction. I do want to mention as well is this idea of we are thinking about walking it out. There are times when we are stressed. There are times when I am stressed and, and it impacts my relationships. And in those moments, I find myself react, wanting to react to situations or maybe what someone says where I wouldn't have reacted before. And, and because of the stress that's happening in my life at the time, but I try to, to wait and to, to respond to people. I realize in those moments that it's really important to get rested too, to get some good sleep, to, to eat well, to even just to get away. And, and that can help to restore that. This was not always the case for me. I had to learn this the hard way and overreacted to too many situations, but it's worth it. Sometimes going for just a walk can be the best or the healthiest response. I think the second thing we can find, and, and Paul helps us again, is uh, God's words through Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 14. The second part to help us build relationships of resilience is build others up. It says these words, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, build up the church, the body of Christ. And this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And then we will no longer be immature children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Two thoughts to this as well. Be a bodybuilder. In other words, help others toward maturity. I don't know about you, but if I go to a gym, I don't like being surrounded by those people who are busy admiring themselves, looking in the mirror as they work out. I want a person who's a trainer or a coach. I get no help from those other people. They're too busy uh, working out themselves to do that and, and self-focused. Boy, I, I want somebody to come alongside and say, hey, can I, can I help you with your workout? 
can I help you with this machine so you get the best out of it? Or with these uh, free weights or, or uh, this uh, th workout that you want to do. And, and that person encourages us and helps us along so that we can improve and do better. Why can't you and I be those sorts of people for others? My other thought is this related to this idea of be, uh, build others up. Is graciously use your gifts for others they are not your own gifts to keep you to yourself. You might ask yourself, what can I, what do I have or what can I use as a gift to others without recognition or agenda? What can I do to build each other, others up and help others? You know, I find myself at times being self-focused as we all do. And in those times, I'm more apt to keep my gifts to myself or to downplay my gifts and the gifts that I do have and, and keep it to myself because I, I don't want to be bothered. I'm too focused on what's happening in my life. But when I discover this and I change and I use my gifts, I realize the joy that comes from that. The joy that comes from that. It's, it, when I'm in that right headspace, as it were, there's joy there to, to serve and to help other people and to help build them up. The truth is this, we all need trainers in our lives to help us stay on course. Why can't we be a trainer for someone else? As we continue through Ephesians 4 here, uh, uh, Paul's words and God speaking through him again, the third part is talk it out. The, word, the verses say this, verse 15, 16, 25. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body of the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. He helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So stop telling lies, he says. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Two thoughts again on this, this idea of uh, talking it out, is speak the truth, filtered by love, otherwise don't bother talking. As you know, it's hard during this time we're in as people when, when someone is wearing a mask. Now, I'm not advocating this morning we rip our masks off, throw them on a the floor, or have a mask burning party if that's what you're hoping for. But there are times when we're, people are wearing masks that we can't hear them and we can't read their lips because they're covered and we can't see the emotions. And in turn of that, or the thought is this. There are lots of times when we feel the urgency to tell someone what we feel they need to hear, but we forget to filter it, like the mask does the air, with love. And it doesn't help the situation. We might feel better after. We might uh, feel better unloading on that person and, and getting it out there. But lots of times when we do that, we have just initiated a relational earthquake, as it were, that causes this shifting in the plates, as you understand when it happens out in the ocean too as well, that causes a tsunami with a path of destruction because we decided to speak without filtering it with love. So my help with this for you is talk less, filter more. And it doesn't just apply to our mouths. It applies as well to social media and the things that we sometimes feel the freedom that we can put out there on social media because... Uh, we can say whatever we want with, and feeling like there's no repercussions or consequences for what we say on there. It's not true. 
talk less, filter more. My other point to this in talking it out is just be aware of what you're saying and who you're saying it to and when you're saying it. I like to call this social awareness. Be sensitive to the people around you when you're talking to them. I think the best balance is determining to talk about an issue. So deciding, yes, I need to talk about this issue with this person that I'm in relationship with because we're, we're having a conflict or a struggle. But then determining, the balance here, is the right time and the right words to say. And that requires you and I taking the time to understand the facts, discerning the right words and the right response. Uh, I, this picture has been given to me and I'm sure you've heard it as well, it's quite common, is this idea of in our conversation with people and when you're having director these moments, sandwich it. So the, 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 the bottom layer or the starting of the conversation is, is authentic grace, it's seasoned with grace. Then talk about the issues or, uh, that are there and you have to work through, but then always finish it with also some thankfulness and also authentic grace there towards the other person as you're working through it. There is a time to speak, but is now the right time? That is the question. Uh, finally, as we think about how do we, in our relationships, build relationships with resilience, my final thought with that is deal with it. Again, we go back to Ephesians 4. Uh, you could read verse 26 to 32. I'm going to read from verse 30 on. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as, as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Now, this is not an, uh, an easy thing to do in any way. Just a couple of thoughts to this. Acknowledge and deal with your issues. If you struggle with anger or apathy, laziness, greed, or even just your mouth, as it's mentioned in the passage there, work through it. Acknowledge it and deal with it. For those here today or watching today who are already acknowledging these issues and you're seeking help from God and others and even getting counseling for it, I commend you today that's the, that's the best thing you can do. That's the starting point. And I want you to know today, God is committed to helping you and giving you grace because of your humility and your willingness to do that. But for others who are watching today, I want to challenge you to deal with your hard-heartedness, to not let pride or unwillingness to change or unforgiveness get in the way of this opportunity to deal with relational issues and make things right. We can be so quick to point our fingers at others who need to deal with their own issues that we neglect ourselves. Admit our issues, own our errors, and making restitution are so important. But as followers of Christ, we do this wrapped in the identity of Christ and the grace of Christ, understanding his forgiveness and his grace that he extends to us. My point is this as I finish this thought. If you keep burning bridges, you end up a deserted island. Old Testament scholar Christopher Wright again finishes this thought with this. Loving relationships between people, starting with marriage, but extending to include all social relationships, are part of God's desire for human life. And since the fall, 
devastated that relational dimension of human life, it is part of God's mission to restore healthy social relationships where they are broken through sin. So a final thought as you're watching today. What about relationship with the relational God? So let's back this up and let's slow this down for a moment after all we've talked about. Uh, we read in Matthew chapter 1, the Christmas story, verses 18 to 23, these words. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged and was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet, look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. In this Christmas story, God breaks into the life of Mary and Joseph. As we talked in the beginning about the triune God, it's the spirit who causes the conception here to happen in Mary. It's the father who sends the angel to interfere as part of his plans so that Joseph wouldn't do what he was going to, thinking about doing. And it's Jesus who comes into the world as a baby. And I think in the same way, God breaks into our lives today to reveal himself as Emmanuel. What that means is that whatever relational difficulties we face, whatever complexities that we need to overcome, God is with us. Think about that today. We need only to call out to him in those moments or at any moment, because as Paul says in Acts 17, 27, he is really not far from any one of us. And so I want to encourage you today, in this moment, whatever relational struggles you are going through, and, and uh, mounted especially by our sinful natures and our struggles, but then again, the pressure and the stress of the Christmas season, now is the perfect opportunity to embrace God is with us today. God wants to help you to work through that, to build relationships of resilience. You don't have to do it in your own strength and ability. Reach out to him to help you. Not only that, if you have an experienced relationship with God, the hand is extended to you today by God because he wants to be with you today. And that really relationship with God is the starting point of relational resilience. So I guess my final question to you today is, how will you respond to his call to come into your life, to be a part of your life, to be with you? And why not today? Because today would be a perfect opportunity to welcome him. Let me pray for you today as I finish. Father, I thank you this today that you are with us that this promise of Emmanuel still is there today. And though we may feel like uh, we don't know about you enough or that maybe in our belief system, we're not even sure that you exist, God. 
It doesn't change the reality that you do today and that you want to have relationship with us, that you want to be an intricate part of our lives, every part, not just uh, our spiritual lives or what we might do on a, on a Sunday or if we're involved in a church in some way. You wanna be part of every part of our lives. And you want to be the central part, not just of the Christmas season, but every part, everything that happens in our lives. I pray today that first you would help us to build relationships of resilience, that you would help us to take some of the things we've heard today and put them into practice, to work at relationships, to struggle through even the awkwardness of building relationships or even the awkwardness of, of, of wrestling through issues that we may have, maybe that we are having or someone else even that we need to restore relationship with. God, thank you that you're committed to help us with that. And God, I pray as well today for those who are struggling, may feel alone, remind them today that you are with them. Right now, as they're watching this, you are there with them and that you love them and want to be a part of their lives. And for those who may watch today that don't know you, that are searching, God, I pray you would introduce yourself to them and they would experience God with us, maybe for the first time, as we celebrate this Christmas season. And we thank you for this today. In Jesus' name, amen.